Welcome to the Build Up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Welcome to the Build Up here on Balls.ie in partnership with Ladbrokes, where we bring you through the biggest events of the sporting weekend. Now, we've already had Jason Quigley talking about Anthony Joshua's big world title fight this week. We've had Stephen Ferris as well looking ahead to the, the birth, I suppose, of the URC, which starts this weekend. We'll have lots more as well with Kevin Doyle giving us his one, two, three picks and so on. But today, I want to focus on the small matter of the Ryder Cup. And that is, of course, on this weekend, Whistling Straits in Wisconsin in the United States. Europe have won about 4 million of the last 4 million and one Ryder Cups, but there's a fear that maybe this isn't the one. But we're going to talk about all of that now. We're going to get on to our friend in America, the First Cut podcast on CBS. Rick Gaiman is with us now. Rick, this is a great week. We love, like, you know, there's the US nationality goes 90 in a way. It doesn't really in the rest of the golfing year. Europeans come together in a way that we're not even quite that sure about, but it just works for these three days every couple of years, doesn't it? Uh, it, it certainly does. It seems like the European team, um, I, I want to say, has cracked the code, and I don't really know what, what that means. Obviously, I think on the American side, uh, we haven't really figured that out yet. Um, for me personally, there is um, there's an aspect of the Europeans where – they just pull in the same direction and they check their egos at the door. And when Rory and John Rahm show up in the locker room, they're going to, they're going to fall in line and they're going to do what, what, what Patty Harrington says, and they're going to do what's best for the team. And you don't necessarily get uh, the same vibe from, from the Americans in that. And I, I don't know if it's an ego thing, but it is, it has been kind of the one aspect that uh, appears that the USA has not been able to figure out. Yeah. Now that said, uh, I don't know whether Steve Stricker, it's, it's smoke and mirrors or what, but we've seen this press conference with Bryson DeChambeau, you know, about, uh, you know, us all coming together. Everybody's happy again. Brooks and Bryson, great mates or stage chats on the, on the, on the uh, practice tee. This has ruined the Ryder Cup for us if these two are just going to coexist, partner up, everybody's buddy-buddy, and they'll go back to hating each other on the tour in a couple of weeks. So I I think it's hilarious that the you know the European team releases this all inspiring 164 we're all part of this video and the American Ryder Cup team releases a video of Brooks walking over to Bryce and talking for 15 <laughs> seconds and walking away on the driving range. They're a little, a little bit different. You know, it is interesting. I, I do think that we, we talk a lot about uh, the potential strife between uh, Bryson and his teammates, Brooks and his teammates, some comments that Brooks has made in mm. golf digest over the last couple of weeks. But even outside of that, th- there's gotta be concerns for the American team, right? Colin Morikawa, the number one player in the auto, you know, the auto qualification of this, Hasn't played particularly well in the last couple of weeks. Jordan Spieth lost a little bit of that magic yeah. recently. I mean, even outside of, yeah, Bryson and Brooks and, and what that might end up being, like, I think there are other concerns. The good thing about the U.S. team is they're still very, very deep, but I'm 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 certainly, you know, filled with concerns. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I won't go on about uh, Brooks and, and Bryson. It's, it's a kind of a tabloidy thing in a way, but at the same time, it is, it is on a human interest, so interest, you know, it, it is so... Fascinating, really. Is there? I heard I was listening to the, your podcast uh, during the week, and you guys were talking. I, I felt that the table was turning a little bit on Kupka in this whole scenario. In that his comments last week, I think they were almost a watershed. In that, like his good guy status in this feud 
is hanging by a knife edge at this stage, isn't it? Because those comments about the Ryder Cup and about it just they came across as selfish, whether they are or they aren't. And I really feel like it actually his character took a bit of a hit from it, didn't it? I think so. I, I think the goodwill towards Brooks Kepka over the past couple of months, it's it's dwindled. Listen, this started out fun, right? When Bryson yeah. and Brooks were taking stabs and jabs at each other on Twitter, it was all good. Everybody enjoyed it. Then it kind of morphed into this thing where uh, Bryson wanted nothing to do with it anymore. And he was very, he was actually uh, quite complimentary of Brooks Kepka. He would say, hey, I, I, I respect him. I want to be like him. I want to win as many major championships. And, and Brooks was not there to kind of return the favor he would kind of keep this thing alive for a lot longer and then and then yeah i mean when when you get an opportunity and, and listen we all know how this works on on the first tee uh on friday whether you uh like brooks or you like bryson or you've picked a side um you're going to be rooting for the american team at least we are here or at least the, the the fans at whistling straits the majority of them are going to be and and brooks kind of took i don't want to say he undercut that sentiment but it's just for him to kind of say it's not really my thing i prefer a more individual yeah. type aspect of golf it, it it really undercuts the the whole thing that i'm talking about earlier where we want all of our guys to be pulling in the same direction and brooks doesn't always feel like he's pulling in the same direction does it speak to a bigger issue on the us team and it might be it might be the lack of success in recent years and a lot of these guys might have had the greatest experience and i wonder is rory McIlroy is a great man for he talked down the Ryder cup before he played on it and then they had this amazing win and suddenly he's a Ryder cup evangelist and then he goes to the olympics and it's the same thing and all of a sudden i'm great man for the olympics and i can't wait to go back in four years is there something to be said for the, these Americans just needing a good experience and needing a win and needing the fans to get behind them and suddenly they'll all be on board as Mr's Messers Ryder Cup? <laughs> Maybe, maybe they just need better PR. Maybe who's letting who's letting Brooks say that? I mean, you just you just yeah. have to know your audience, right? And yeah. and and I think we at least give Brooks uh, points for saying it like it is. If he really feels that way, cool, that's fine. But maybe this is not an event that's that's for you. Now, I, I think that um and and he did already change his tune, right? As soon as he yeah. gets on site at Whistling Straits, it's a lot of tweets about okay, these are my brothers. We're going to battle. Everything is all good. So that that might be it. Just the experience in the moment is is really going to kind of turn the tide but for me it feels like feels like the europeans have have come together weeks ago months ago mm. you know what i mean it's just it's just a different feel it should not take you stepping onto the grounds at whistling straits and seeing your brothers for the week to finally get geared up for this event when, when I started watching the Ryder Cup in the 90s, 93, 97, you know, in uh, in in in, uh, in 99 in Brookline, for example, Americans had such strong teams back then. And the reason the camaraderie and the savviness, I suppose, of the European teams were because that's what Europe needed to do to compete. You look at the teams this time out and America has that sense again that this should be the dominant team. The, the world rankings say one thing, but even if you just think about what we see week in, week out from a lot of these players, the fact that as good as they are, as legendary as they are, the likes of Poulter, the likes of Lee Westwood and all these guys are still on the European team. I think Sergio Garcia, it says a lot because you look at the American team, it's the first team since 1993 that doesn't have either Phil or Tiger, which is an incredible thing. Like you're talking, that's 30 years nearly. Um, and, you know, it, Dustin Johnson, I think, is the oldest, is possibly right. the oldest on the team. It's yeah. full of rookies, but they're exciting rookies. They're major winners. They're week in, week out. We're watching them here on Sunday nights, late at night. 
to the up to the wee hours and these guys are winning tournaments all the time this is a, as exciting and as fresh a u.s team as we've seen in our lifetimes uh, certainly H half the teams making their their first appearance and even some of uh you know like colin morikawa i'm excited about what is what is patrick cantley going to be like in a Ryder cup and xander shawfley and all these guys um it, it's it's fascinating because i think you get a situation where raw talent uh it's no contest the raw talent the united states team is 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 severely uh the favorite but there's there's kind of this uh freedom of being the underdog if if you are the european side right they've won seven of nine i think they're probably Probably an underdog in all but maybe one of those i mean there's this this kind of chasers freedom and we see this regularly on the on the pga tour or on the european tour kind of the guy on sunday who's a couple shots back that's chasers freedom you can go out there and kind of freewheel it a little bit but um I, i'm just interested to see especially because when we get to alternate shot, um, what we have heard, even from those Tiger and Phil teams, what we used yeah. to hear is, well, I'm playing with so-and-so and he uses a different type of ball than me. And, you know, the spin's a little bit different. You never hear Rory McIlroy say that. You're never going to hear John Rahm talk about somebody else's golf ball. They're just going to go out there and they're going to play and they're going to trust each other and they're going to figure it out. So it, it's such a fascinating thing when we take uh, individuals, you know, 51 weeks a year, 52 weeks a year, and every couple of years we pair them together as teammates. It's, it's, it's fascinating how they react. Absolutely. What is the sense of the European team over there? As I said, like, you know, you could be in and out of golf and thinking, God, I can't believe Lee Westwood is still on this team. Now he's playing really well. And like Lee Westwood is a great player and has been an amazing Ryder Cup player, obviously most decorated or the, yeah, the most decorated of all time, the most experienced of all time. But is there a kind of a sense of like Europe throw together these old guys every couple of years and there's Ram and McElroy, but you know, I, I'm just wondering what the kind of general US golf fan thinks of what they're coming up against this week. Yeah, the, the general U.S. golf fan does not think much of this European team. I definitely think uh, more highly than than that. The To me, there's two things. Um, this is a very, very top-heavy team. John Rahm, uh, Roy McIlroy, Victor Hovland. If you mm. want to throw Sergio Garcia into the mix, whatever you want to do, there's there's, there's three or four guys that if, if they're going to end up hoisting the Ryder Cup on Sunday, it's going through the stars. The stars need to shine brightly. There's also kind of, uh, to me, uh, more of this, this last dance feel, kind of in the same way. How much longer are the Europeans going to run out lee westwood and ian poulter and sergio garcia and for a while just a couple of weeks ago we thought justin rose might be on this team yeah. i'm thinking the same thing like when 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 is the european side going to get a refresh and i wonder if um if this is kind of uh the last dance if we start to see some some newer faces coming up in in future rider cups it doesn't feel like outside of maybe victor hovland uh there's kind of a torch passing situation going on so it, it's it's a really interesting dynamic um that the european team has and I wonder what the what the future of these Ryder Cups look like for them we obviously in this country know all about Potter Carrington and everything that he's achieved in the game and you know we know an awful lot about his character he would have been criticized as on the run of his life in 2008 and then deciding you know winning two majors three and two and three and two years and then deciding I want to change up my game because I need to be even better and it never quite worked out for him and an incredible career, but he is a planner and a thinker, and we know exactly what kind of Ryder Cup he's got, captain he's going to be, for good or bad, but we know what method he's going to be. Tell us a bit about Stricker, because, you know, my memory of Stricker is one of the best clutch putters I've ever seen. He hung, he got better as he got older, and he was Tiger's only friend on the tour. That seems to be, my, that's my only, that's the only thing I know about Stricker. What kind of a captain will he be? 
Yeah, certainly uh, Steve Stricker, very well respected, as you can imagine, amongst his peers, especially where, you know, uh, the the ability to give those putting tips. That's always what we hear. Oh, we talked to Stricker a couple of weeks ago. Now he's putting really well and he's yeah. always willing to lend a hand. And I think that is a really good attribute to have. I think the concern around Steve Stricker is um, one, uh, how much data is he going to rely on? We have seen the European team really dive into the data, into the metrics and try to optimize their chances for victory. And at some point um, in the Ryder Cup, you, you sometimes have to be a little bit of a villain. You know, the, the, the American team is so deep. He's going to have a difficult time making those hard decisions. Someone's going to have to do it. You could, you can't run all of these guys out for five matches. You're going to have to make some difficult decisions when all of your, all of your players are saying, I'm ready to go. I can go right back out there. You have to have your finger on the pulse of what that really means. And you have to make those difficult decisions for who's going to play together. Who's not going to play together and how many sessions they're going to make. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about that aspect of it to me, right. Steve Stricker, uh, very much a people pleaser. He's great, but I think that there's going to be a lot of difficult decisions. I mean, you think about this, He's going to have to decide who's going out for the next session in a matter of minutes. You know, they've prepared for this for years. And in minutes, he's going to have to make some of these decisions. I will be very impressed if he can do that, if he can do that correctly. Mm. What about the golf course then? What can we expect from that this weekend? This Because, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a course that I think we're familiar with for majors. And, but they're not going to set up the Ryder Cup in the way they set up major championships. And the, a lot of my knowledge, especially of major uh, American golf courses, are how treacherous they'll be because you watch US Opens or PGAs. But is this going to be a player-friendly course this week? It's going to be American friendly. I'll tell you that for sure. The way they, the way they set no this wind. up. They've actually built a wall around to stop the wind coming in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good point. You know, the idea is uh, you make this course long. What we've seen already in this week is if you just miss the fairway, if you're, you know, five, 10 yards off the fairway, there's there's not going to be much rough. It's not going to be penal. You go a little bit further than that, you're going to get the higher fescue type, uh, type grass that you're not going to want to play out of. Um, but for me, you know, this is a course that... That it, it lends so perfectly to match play, especially as we get mm. into the second nine. There's going to be a lot of risk reward opportunities. If you need to make up a hole or two, you're going to have the opportunity to do so. Now that that might, uh, you know, you putting your foot on the pedal might end up uh, costing you another hole or two, and you might get further back. But there are going to be some really interesting opportunities. This this design um, it allows you to play it in a lot of different ways, which I would normally say is kind of a benefit to to the Europeans who can kind of play it sometimes in the air sometimes play it on the ground they can think through be a little bit more creative than the the track man golf that we usually get here in the states where they just want to fly it and carry it the entire length of, of whatever shot they have in front of them so i think it's going to be a thoughtful uh challenge that you're going to see uh you're going to see big numbers you're going to see low numbers it's, it's going to be exciting especially down the stretch okay uh prediction time then uh other than shane lowry winning five points out of five or, or maybe Maybe he'll do four and a half like Leona Maguire did in the Solheim there. But other than that, um, I don't. The, the American in our office is absolutely convinced this American team is going to wipe the floor. He's, he's got a feeling. But I wonder with the talent conversation we had earlier, if we're looking at those Ryder Cups I mentioned from the old days where Europe's only chance was getting a big lead on Friday and Saturday because the singles America are going to come alive and that talent deficit is going to make a big difference. 
Yeah. So uh, I am on record. I I actually I actually think the European team is 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 going to win this. There there this is more than just golf at this point, right? This mm-hmm. is the team aspect. It is trusting your partner. It is uh, showing up in a big spot. And and there's just red flag after red flag after red flag on the United States team. You know the Americans. Um, the 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 conversation starts and ends with raw talent. That that's what they have. They have raw talent. Um, when you look at camaraderie, you, it goes to the European side. When you look at maybe even recent form, probably goes to the European side. You've got so much strife uh, here on the on the U.S. team that I, I wonder how that impacts a lot of these big moments and a lot of the trust that it's needed out there. So I um, listen. There's a reason that seven out of the last nine of these of these Ryder Cups have gone in the way of the of the Europeans. I think that they again have have figured something out in the locker room that they're they're able to to bring it out out onto the golf course. And if the wind continues to blow at Whistling Straits, I I think it's the Europeans who who get the job done again. Wow. Okay. There you go. Uh, mind games, perhaps from Rick Amon, but I don't think so. I think this is a. I think Americans have been burned too many times in this competition. <laughs> Rick, thanks so much for taking the time. Enjoy the Ryder Cup this weekend. People should listen to Rick's uh, first cup podcast. Um, really great chat this week. Actually, really, really enjoyed it specifically as they built up to the Ryder Cup. So please check that out. And Rick, we'll talk to you again. I'm sure. Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks so much again to Rick. As I mentioned, you can listen to his CBS Sports Golf Podcast called The First Cut, where him and three other golfing luminaries talk about the issues of the day. They had a really, really good pre-Ryder Cup show uh, that you should listen to as well. You can find that wherever you get podcasts. Um, we'll talk to Rick again, I'm sure. There's lots more Ryder Cup stuff on Balls.ie as well. Of course, lots on Labrooks too. If you're having a bet on the Ryder Cup, there's all kinds of markets for you there. Uh, you might have got some uh, some tips uh, from what Rick said there. Uh, please do check that out. Always gamble responsibly and visit dunlouis.net for more information. We'll be back with more build-up later this week. <laughs>